What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. What a play! Can you believe this? No, I can't. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Off to the races, and he stays on his feet. This is going to go the distance. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. We've got some awesome stats for you today on Fantasy Football Today. Some fun stuff to talk about. It's our crazy eight, our eight favorite stats for 2023 and four of them will be from Dave Richard and four of them will be from a special guest Billy Musio joining us today Billy welcome to fantasy football today thanks for the invite boys excited to talk some football it's bright and early on the west coast but we are ready to rock and roll and talk some football yeah that's uh that's my bad I didn't know Billy lived on the west coast and that we were recording this at 9 37 a.m eastern time aka 6 37 a.m pacific coast time sorry billy coffee's on me <laughs> got my coffee we're good to go okay okay thank you very much billy billy is the director of operations at playerprofiler.com he in 2021 was the most accurate draft ranker uh, according to fantasy pros and in 2022 the number four in-season ranker so brings a lot of expertise brings some great statistics brings some delicious coffee question <laughs> for you uh now that we know you're on the west coast how did you handle the Alvin Kamara, I'm not going to play in the London game or wherever it was, uh, fiasco? Because uh, we were we were basically trying to help all the people on the West Coast who, who probably had no idea that he was not playing. So I'm a firm believer in waking up and checking those kind of things. And so on game day, I set multiple lineups to check news like that at different times. And so when I know we have a London or an overseas game, I set my alarm and wake up when we get the inactive list. And so I was up, I changed my rankings, I changed my lineups, made all the moves, went back to bed. Okay. All right. Well, that did, that didn't really help, like the lenient commissioner. <clears throat> I can't like believe you who... brought it up. <laughs> Most people forgot about that. Adam. Yeah. It was such a controversy. Bringing back bad memories. Yeah. Um, Billy, tell us about player profile, uh, profiler.com and, and what you do. 
Yeah, so I'm the director of operations. Uh, we are in the midst of kind of redeveloping all of our player pages. Uh, we just got done with our draft kit, which is 300 players deep, and it has uh, write-ups for every single player, videos for all the players, and of course all of the uh, analysis for all the team insights. So it's a it's a behemoth for us to complete every single year. It's always nice to be done, uh, get it out to the public, and then now I'm finishing the cheat sheets this week for various formats, and those will be downloadable on that on that uh, draft kit this week. Great. And please follow him on Twitter at FFMuzio, M-U-Z-I-O. All right. I want to get one, you know, one fun, crazy, wacky stat, whatever you want to call it. Dave, something crazier than cooking a burger in the oven, which apparently is pretty crazy. Got some weird feedback from that one. Give me one stat you want to talk about, Dave. I'm going to give you stats throughout the show that'll make you think twice about some players that you might be interested or excited about drafting this year. And this one is probably the least exciting of the bunch. It's about DJ Moore and how he's never been a top 12 wide receiver in PPR points per game. He's been outside the top 24 in PPR points per game each of the past three years. He had just 10 red zone targets last year. He's never had more than 13 red zone targets in a single season. When I wanted to ask him about that, when I went to Bears minicamp last month, I was told, DJ's not interested in talking. Sorry. Uh, that, that that was a little frustrating. I don't know if he knew that I was going to ask about his red zone work or what have you, but he does have a chance to be more of a red zone option in Chicago. But as I told Luke Getze when I talked to him, I said, if I know that he's going to be the number one target, then that means that the defense is going to know that he's going to be the number one target. What are you going to do to combat that? And he gave a really great answer. And remember, Justin Fields schemed really, really well in the red zone last year. I expect that to continue this year. But it makes all this makes me not want to love DJ Moore. I know he's going to get a lot of targets. I think he's going to get over 1,000 yards. I think he'll get over 80 catches. I, I know that he's not going to be dominant in the end zone, and that makes me worry about him being any higher than like wide receiver 20. So okay, so your your basic stat is he just has never had a consistent red zone presence. Let's not forget the. I mean, he's never been a top twelve receiver in PPR either. No, or not. He, he's had three seasons with around eleven hundred yards. He's had two seasons where he's averaged about seventy eight yards per game, which is really amazing. Hasn't been the same since then. Um, but he's a curious guy, and is he going to be the next Stefan Diggs, basically, who goes to a new offense or you know whatever it is? Um, uh, Billy, what's what's your take on DJ Moore? Yeah, I agree with Dave here. This was more of a lateral move to me. People all of a sudden moved them up his their rankings, and I just didn't see it. He actually moved down in my rankings with this move. It just because the move to me just did not do enough for his fantasy relevance. And, and as Dave mentioned, never been a top you know eleven receiver. The last three years in points per game, he was wide receiver twenty eight, wide receiver twenty three, wide receiver thirty three, and then now goes to a Justin Fields led offense that is going to be one of the lowest passing volume attempt offenses in the league it's a rush first team we saw justin fields last year again struggle inside the passing game relied heavily on his legs i don't like the chances of dj Moore returning value at where he's going in drafts right now and i have to say i agree with dave on this and that dj Moore for me is more like wide receiver 29 and 30 i uh, never been a big yard of the catch guy either which i think is he what he's going to have to do to get there this season uh, let me throw this, since we're on stats, let me throw this one at you guys. So the Eagles, if you want to compare the Bears this year to the Eagles last year, the Eagles went in 2021 from 32nd in pass attempts, by a wide margin, by the way. They mm -hmm. threw fewer than 500 pass attempts in seven games, 17 games. 
Um, 12th in scoring and 32nd in pass attempts in Jalen Hurts' first year as a starter. And last year, they were second in scoring and they were 23rd in pass attempts. So, you know, we're always looking for the next blank in fantasy. And people are hoping that Justin Fields to DJ Moore is the next Allen to Diggs, is the next Hurts, Kyler to Hopkins. You know, I don't know if it'll be a top five receiver or anything, but the the next uh, Hurts to A.J. Brown kind of thing. And that the offense will change, uh, Dave. You know, so what do you think? I don't think the offense is going to change dramatically. Um, Fields noted that this is the first time since he's been in the NFL and the first time, I think, since college that he's been in the same offense for consecutive years. And I think that that's something that he's liked. And, yes, they they are going to be a run-heavy team. You ask any coach about their run game in Chicago, and they say that that's the backbone of what they do, but it's not. It's It's going to be Justin Fields as the backbone of what they do. I think their off-season moves, and, and this is all in the article that you'll read about in the Fantasy Football Preview magazine uh, on newsstands in a couple of weeks, <laughs> um, that the Bears think that better protection for fields will lead to more throwing and less scrambling. And having DJ Moore as a more reliable target than what they had last year, Mooney, Claypool, etc., that'll help move the chains and keep him passing. So it wouldn't be a surprise to me if they went from – dead last in passing to 23rd. That's what you said Philadelphia 23rd, was. yeah. Mm-hmm. They might even get a little bit higher than that. So I, I would expect Justin Fields to throw a decent amount more and run a little bit less because he won't have to run for his life as much. I do think that offensive line will ultimately round into form and be pretty good for him. All right, Billy, you've got four of the statistics we're going to talk about today. Give me one that you want to highlight right now. Well, let's just keep the Justin Fields train going because the Bears have actually never had a four thousand yard passer, and this I don't is unbelievable. And I don't, and this isn't the entire franchise <laughs> of the Bears, and I don't think that this stat is going to change uh, just because we have DJ Moore over here on 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 Chicago now. And so, when we take a look at the stats, um, Justin Fields was quarterback twenty seven in pass attempts in twenty twenty two with three hundred and eighteen. He was 26th in passing yards with 2,242. He was quarterback 23 in air yards with 2,835. You mentioned how Jalen Hurts went from you know, bottom of the league to 23rd or whatever it was, but he still had 432 attempts. So uh, more than 100 more attempts in 2021, 460 attempts last year. And so, I think in order for them to even be near this number, they're going to have to see upwards of 440, 450 attempts from just Fields himself. Uh, and and I don't think that we're going to see that out of out of the Russian quarterback. Right. Now, what does that mean for fantasy? And, uh, you know, can he be a top five quarterback, which is how Justin Fields is being drafted with fewer than 4,000 passing yards? I mean, certainly Jalen Hurts was, you know, I think it was QB three last year and he missed two games. Um uh, did, but he th- actually, I'm sorry, he did throw for over 4,000. Uh, no, he didn't. He, he was on pace for that. He threw for 3,691 yards in 15 games and uh, and did finish as QB3. In 2020, Kyler Murray finished as QB6 with 3,971 passing yards in 16 games. So, yeah, I mean, is that really more of a Justin Fields stat or is that more of like a DJ Moore stat? Because obviously Fields can get the fantasy production 
uh, in other ways. So everything the Bears have signaled this offense have signaled they want him to run less. And, you know, the bringing in of DJ Moore, the addition of Rose John Johnson, them bringing in Dante Foreman. This They brought two bruising backs. That tells me they want them to run on short yardage. They want them to roll on goal lines, which if they're going to take away the most – I should say they're going to take away the biggest attribute of Justin Fields and his biggest strength in his legs, and they're going to rely on his arm, which he has yet to show that he has inside the NFL level. I mean, he was the, one of the most accurate quarterback in college, but mm-hmm. it has not translated to the NFL yet. And I don't know if it was Matt Nagy or if it was just Justin Fields in his transition into the NFL. That being said, we have yet to see it in his accuracy inside the NFL, and if they take away his rushing ability or upside, I should say, his fantasy points are going to be limit limited. And so when you have, he had 1,100 rushing yards last year, only 2,200 passing yards. If we cut that production by, let's just even call it 20%, he's going to need to throw for up, upwards of 34, 3,500 yards. And we just haven't seen anything remotely close to that from Justin Fields. And you'll learn about his accuracy and where he's at when you read the story uh, that I wrote from Bears Minicamp. So, Billy, are you... Out on fields, uh, where do you have him ranked? I have him as quarterback seven. I'm out at ADP. I, mm-hmm. I think, and I hate to say this, but he's definitely more of a best ball quarterback than he is redraft for me just because of his inefficiencies with his arm. And I think that um, if I'm going to pay up for quarterback, I'd rather do it for somebody in the same range as like you know Justin Herbert, who for me is going to throw for close to 5,000 yards. Um, and they have the addition of Kellen Moore and the offense that I really like this year. Uh, I'd rather look elsewhere at quarterback. I'm going to pay up for that price. And if I was going to go a rushing quarterback, I'm just going to pay up and take Jalen Hurts. Okay. Do you you have Lamar ahead of Justin Fields? Billy? I do have Lamar ahead of Justin Fields. What's the rationale behind that? The rationale behind it is um, I think that we have a better <clears throat> overall, just a better supporting cast from the running backs, from the tight end, um, you know, from his his weapons, as long as Bateman is healthy. Um, Munkin, I like the Munkin offense a little bit more um, coming in. We're going to see a rush first attack that's going to balance it, balance out for his his passing zone scheme. And so I also just have seen Lamar Jackson do it more right i've seen him be a little bit more accurate i've seen him win the mvp um i know that he can run for 1100 yards 1200 yards more than one time i he was on track last year as the quarterback won again beginning of the season before he got hurt and so for me to be able to see it repeat it and do it again it just weighs a little differently for me where justin fields for me is coming in off one great rushing season you know, struggled as a passer mightily. And if I can see him get that passing piece, he doesn't need to quite hit 35 or even close to 4,000 yards. But as long as he gets over 3,000 yards, which is what it's going to take, that's what it took for Lamar's, Lamar's, Lamar's one season over 3,000, and that was his MVP season. As Fields can get over 3,000 yards, it's okay if he loses some of those rushing stats. Right. I need to see the two combined. All right, we do have a Lamar Jackson stat coming up a little bit later. A few things I want to tell you about. Our Facebook group. Please join our Facebook group. It's Fantasy Football Today. Go to Facebook, search for Fantasy Football Today, and join. And you can post topics. Not all of them get approved because we have a lot of posts, obviously. But uh, you know, during the season, we'll have a waiver wire post. You can ask your questions there. We'll have a start-sit post, those types of things. You can interact with other listeners, other uh, viewers, and uh, join our Facebook group. It's great. Watch us on we YouTube. Should, Adam, you should also mention that we do have... We are on threads, which is oh, yeah. like, you know, oh, the new yeah. social media buzz thing that's out there. There is fantasy football day on threads. All the analysts are on threads. Not yet. Well, 
the analyst maybe. The host is not on threads yet. The host is not I on threads. I just read about it. I had no idea what it was until this morning. The oh, guest okay. is not on threads either yet. Okay. okay. So maybe you guys will join. And if you do, great. And if not, no big deal. But for those <laughs> that are transitioning over to threads, you will find fantasy football today over there. Is it threads.com? I don't know if they've got threads.com. It's on the app. You go to the app store. Yeah. App. Oh, I'm still a laptop guy. That's, that probably shouldn't surprise many people. Uh, I do have some apps. I'll, I'll put it on my phone. Uh, let's see. What else can I tell you about? Oh, uh, we got so we do have some progress on the announcement I made yesterday where we had four people who uh, bid on spots in a listener league last year in the Draftathon, donated to St. Jude. Of course, thank you for that. Uh, I've we've got in touch, I think, with two of you. But David Kuhn and Nick Kajer. And if, if you're listening, Kihan Lin. Uh, please reach out, fantasyfootball at cbsi.com, fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. That's the letter I. Please uh, send us an email. Let us know that you're one of the people who we, we haven't contacted and that you're in that listener league so we can, you know, remedy that. News and notes. Uh, just one thing here. Jeremy Fowler went on ESPN yesterday and said the Jets are doing their homework on Brees Hall and they are in the mix along with other NFC, AFC East teams. But, Dave, when you hear that the, the Jets are... Did I say Brees Hall? Because I meant Dalvin no, Cook. I, I, no, I don't know if you said that or not. Okay, I'm but sorry. But it's Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook. Yeah, the question was, the Jets are in the mix for Dalvin Cook. When you hear that, do you you know does that make you hesitant to draft Brees Hall? He's currently going around 36th overall. I mean, there's another headline that says that the level of Patriots intrigue with Dalvin Cook bears watching. Yep. So there, there, there is some team in the AFC East that, <laughs> that seems to have some interest in Dalvin Cook. And the agent, I would assume, is just spouting off, oh, yeah, the, the Jets also want him, and the Patriots also want him, and his brother's in Buffalo. And hmm, what's the one team that's missing that Dalvin Cook was linked to at the beginning of his free agency? Uh, whatever they are. Look, I, if he goes to the Jets, that's obviously a sign. If any decent running back goes to the Jets, uh, it's a sign that, A, they're unhappy with their depth, which is a little startling, and, B, that Brees Hall might not be ready to go week one. Yeah. All right, well, with that said, we're going to take a quick break here. We'll be ready to go in yeah. one second. We'll be right back after this with some more crazy stats. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, Dave, fire away with another stat. You gave us one on DJ Moore. What else, what else you got? What else I got? How about another receiver stat? And this one surprised me. I wanted to find something that would that would help us you know, get a little bit of a clearer picture on the Seattle passing game. And this is what I came up with. Tyler Lockett has scored more PPR and non-PPR points per game than DK Metcalf in each of the past two years. 
And they were really close in 2020 as well. And the numbers are, it's, it's crazy. 13.3 PPR points per game for DK in 2022, 14.8 for Tyler Lockett in 2022, uh, 13.9 for Metcalf in 2021, 14.6 for Lockett. So some consistency there for both of them. But for Lockett, I mean, that's pretty close to 15 PPR points per game. 2020, that's the year that DK was higher than Tyler Lockett. 16.6 PPR points per game. The dude was a monster, but 16.3 for Tyler Lockett. I, it makes me wonder, well, why am I drafting Metcalf so much higher than Lockett? I think the answer is because he's consistently gotten more targets per game. It's l- almost literally one target more per game than than Tyler Lockett's been getting over the last two years, and they were really close. Lockett was actually ahead of him in 2020. Um, and the other reason is that he's got a chance to just explode as far as touchdowns go. I couldn't find anything specifically to make me nervous about either wide receiver in relation to JSN, but I should note that I, I think it's it's like a two to one split for how often Tyler Lockett lined up out wide compared to the slot. Right. He was out wide more, much more, but his stats were about even. So if JSN is going to be in the slot a lot more, then I think that that could certainly take away targets from both of the veteran wide receivers. It could end up hurting Lockett just a little bit more. His consensus ADP on CBS is at 73rd overall, early round seven. Love that value for Tyler Lockett. Yeah, if there's a Seattle wide receiver, Billy, that you're interested in drafting at cost, and let's just take a look. NFC ADP since June 10th or June 15th. Metcalf is 30th overall. Lockett is uh, 65th. And Jackson Smith and Jigba is 87th. What sounds good to you, Billy? Uh, I like Lockett again. I agree with Dave on this one as well. A buddy of mine in the high stakes streets always says the same thing. Why do we draft Lockett when we can have, or why do we draft DK when we can have Lockett, you know, five rounds later? And it just makes sense because everything Dave just mentioned, uh, this offense, Jackson Smith, the Jigba is the odd man out for me. Uh, I understand they drafted him, you know, round one, he's an exceptional talent, more of a 2024 play for me than a 2023 play. Uh, Seattle runs some of the most 12 personnel inside the league. And a lot of people will say, well, they may change that in 2023. However, they also drafted a running back in round two by the name of Zach Charbonnet, uh, and they still have two tight ends that they always like to use. And so I don't think we're going to see 12 personnel go away completely. They may run less of it, but it's still going to be near the top of the league, which when you run 12 personnel, there's one odd receiver out. And when you've had a tandem in DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, I am sorry to say, but Jackson Smith and Jigba will be the odd man out inside of this receiving core. And I think the public really likes JSN. I mean, the ADP kind of suggests that he's a top 90 pick, according to what you were telling us, Adam. Yeah. Um, I, I think I think a lot of people see JSN as the first receiver off the board. They remember what he did at Ohio State in 2021, and they want to get on board with that. I agree with Billy. I think he's I think he's terrific in Dynasty. You have no argument out of me that he's wide receiver one in Dynasty and rookie only drafts and all that. Uh, and I'm willing to give him credit that maybe he's like a second half of the season play yep. for this coming year. But I, I don't see myself reaching into late round eight for Jackson Smith and Jigba. All right. So, Billy, you've given us a stat on Justin Fields. Give us another one. What do you got? Not on Justin Fields. A, a different stat here. Crazy stat. Might have a little biasness on this one. There's mm-hmm. some red and gold behind me. But uh, Brock Purdy's <laughs> touchdown rate of 7.6% led all qualified quarterbacks with at least 350 snaps in the NFL. He finished ahead of some of the league's most talented and respected players, including a one Patrick Mahomes at 6.3%, 
Josh Allen at 6.2%, Joe Burrow at 5.9%, and Dak Prescott at 5.8%. I said on January 1st, 2023, that Brock Purdy would remain the starter in San Francisco, and I stand behind that given his, his recovery timeline. He's ahead of schedule, and I think if he is cleared for week one, he remains the starter, and the San Francisco Offense picks up where it left off because Brock Purdy showed that he could run this West Coast offense here inside the Shanahan system. Hmm. You know, he had seven straight games, including the postseason, with multiple touchdown passes. Jimmy Garoppolo's career-long streak was four games, is four games of consecutive games with multiple touchdown passes. So that's just incredible that Purdy did it in seven straight games. Basically, his first seven games, you know, he came in early in one game and then the rest were starts. Um, but, you know, you said you picked up where it, where it left off. And, Dave, why don't we transition into your Christian McCaffrey stat here, your Kyle Shanahan stat. And let's talk about the 49ers more generally here because for fantasy analysts trying to figure out how the ball is going to get distributed, I think it's one of the more difficult things for the San Francisco 49ers and how to project all these guys. We talk about it so often. But, Dave, what is your uh, Christian McCaffrey stat? This is more of like a, a fun fact because I, I don't think this necessarily means anything when it comes to Christian McCaffrey. Certainly, I've got him ranked number one overall at running back for a reason. But Shanahan's never had a running back get over a thousand yards in a season. Been in San Francisco rushing, for six years. Rushing, right? Rushing. Yeah. Total yards. Yeah. Yes, of course. But rushing. Listen, this, CMC was on pace for like eleven fifty. Last year, he would have been the first guy to have done it. And a bunch of guys have gotten close. Elijah Mitchell in 2021 at 963. Uh, Carlos Hyde, 938. The last, oh, this, this is a question for Billy, Mr. 49ers fan. Who is the last 49ers running back to get over 1,000 yards? Frank Gore. Yeah. Okay. Oh, right. wow. There's the cred. Bam. I, I don't know drop. if the oh, wow is really like worthy well, of that. Well, you set it up. You set it up like, oh, going to stump him. I think even like, a, a, like an average 49ers <laughs> fan could have guessed Frank Gore. The way that Billy said it, yeah, though, like that's that was, was conviction right yeah. there. 2014 was the last time. It's Should been almost 10 year. years. Should ask almost year. 10 years. I think the only way McCaffrey doesn't get it is if he, well, you know, I'm not going to say it. Wait a sec. Can I ask Billy yeah. a 49ers question? Okay, so this, this who was the last before this past season when Kittle and I, I think Ayuk also had more than five touchdown catches? Who was the last 49ers pass catcher to have more than five touchdown catches before 2022? Ooh, was it Crabtree? No. Now, I have the tendency <laughs> to ask questions that I don't 100% know the answer to, but I think I know. I'm pretty sure it was Vernon Davis. <laughs> I mean, sure. I can see that. I guess How many did Debo have in 2021? I think he had five. Because he had five had receiving touchdowns, bunch of rushing right. touchdowns. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um. Anyway. Uh. Yeah. So. So Billy, what do you think about the 49ers' offense? You've got McCaffrey as, you know, potentially the number two. I mean, maybe it'll go as high as one in some drafts. Obviously, top five pick. Debo maybe in the third round. Kittle is in that mix in tight end three through eight, basically three through seven, whatever it is. Um. Ayuk is so interesting. People love him as a profile. You know, but. Fantasy production isn't necessarily there. So your projections for the 49ers offense, I guess. 
Yeah, I think with Brock Purdy coming off of injury, I think we can see a pretty clear-cut path of how this offense is actually going to shake out for at least the first quarter of the season. I don't think they're going to want to push the ball down the field all that much as they conserve his elbow. They don't probably want it to flare up. So I think that this is going to benefit Debo Samuel. It's going to benefit Christian McCaffrey, and it's going to benefit George Kittle drastically for maybe the first three, four weeks. After that, once they gain a little bit more trust in in Purdy's elbows, he regains some confidence. He gets more strength. I think they may start, uh, you know, changing that defense so they're not as predictable. And we probably see a little bit more from Ayuk as the season progresses on. Ayuk had a very quiet one thousand yards last year. I mean, it was one of the quietest one thousand yard season we've seen at a receiver in some time. Uh, that being said, I still think that he had a better connection with. George Kittle. We saw that touchdown streak that he had down the stretch. It was multiple two-game touchdown streaks. That touchdown rate is unsustainable. However, if the offense is efficient again and as efficient, we may see that kind of make up for it in in targets. And so I think that Purdy was uh, exceptional as a rookie with getting through his progression. Sometimes he got through his second and his third progression, which gave the offense a little bit uh, more chances to get the ball out of his hand and, and into his playmaker's hand. That's what he succeeded inside this West Coast offense because all you need to do is get your playmakers the ball, and we saw that from Brock Purdy. And so I like the way this target distribution is going to shake up. I think Ayuk is probably the odd man out at least the beginning of the season, and as they progress, probably picks up a little bit more. Ayuk is another popular buzz guy in the public's eye. There's been all kinds of reports about him looking great in minicamp. I'm sure that'll continue into training camp. Um, I, I view him as, as, as a still not quite complete wide receiver, but the things that he does well, those slants, the goes, um, man, he's great at them. And if he just, if he sees a, a leap in as far as targets go, he'll, he'll crush a thousand yards again. It won't be so quiet this time. I also want to mention that there's an article on ESPN. The headline is, is it time for the 49ers to give George Kittle a breather? And it talks about how the Niners might be ready to start using other tight ends in their offense and, and kind of take some, some reps off of George Kittle coming into the year. And we know that Kittle, when everybody was healthy in that 49ers offense, really wasn't he wasn't utilized a ton and he wasn't really great for fantasy. And so it's just another thing to remember when you're drafting tight ends. Yeah. Yes. There, there was a time where Purdy and Kittle, a, a ton of tight ends, but some of the other target getters in that 49ers offense weren't on the field when it was happening. I'm starting to get a little bit worried that Kittle might be a touchdown needy, like more than normal uh, tight end in fantasy and not somebody that you should quite reach for. Yeah. His problem is he's just such a good blocker. Right. And and that's where they use him all the time is in line blocking. Mm-hmm. And and I mean, he loves it. I mean, that's you see him out there laying people down and, and just jumping up for joy. It's it's awesome to watch. And, and his energy is contagious. But I I would hope that they get when they give him a breather, maybe it's in line, Dave. That's that's the hope here. Yeah. So, uh, by the way, the stat I gave about the touchdown catches it was actually more than six touchdown catches, not more than five. <laughs> So again, I, I try. You did warn us. I do my best. Yeah, and that's how many Debo had. He had six in 2021. Uh, but that was the you know Ayuk had eight and Kittle had 11 last year. That's the first time since I believe Vernon Davis for a 49ers pass catcher to have more than six touchdown catches. Okay, Dave, let's get another stat here. We've talked about Brock Purdy. We've talked about Justin Fields, DJ Moore, the Seattle wide receivers. What's next for you? Let's go back to 
uh, Lamar Jackson, because earlier I asked Billy what, how he looked at Lamar compared to Justin Fields. I have Fields over Lamar because I think Fields can hit that 3,000 passing yard mark, and I still think he'll run the ball a little bit more. And I'm a little bit nervous about Lamar Jackson just in general, but he was a red zone liability, not just last year. And I know that he was great for fantasy early on, number one QB, all that. But the year before, a red zone liability, the opposite of what Justin Fields was in 2022. His completion rate in the red zone, 50.5%. That was below league average. His touchdown rate, 24.3%. And let's stop right there. You might say, well, that number's huge. I mean, Billy just talked about how Brock Purdy's touchdown rate was 7.6%. This is specifically in the red zone. That number, 24.3%, slightly above average. You know the quarterbacks tend to throw a lot of touchdowns when they're in the red zone. That's why it's such a big deal. Interception rate in the red zone, 2.9%, the fifth highest. Off-target throws, this was huge for me. 19.4% of Lamar Jackson's throws over the last two seasons were off-target. That was the third highest behind Big Ben and behind Russell Wilson. A lot of that for Russell, as you guys know, that came in 2022. And you'll say, all right, well, he'll still just run it in a ton. That's what Lamar Jackson does. He's only scored five rushing touchdowns over his last two seasons. And four from of them the, came from, from the inside red zone, the ten. From the red zone. Red zone. What did I say? End zone. No, end no, no, zone, no. Zone, just he's only zone. scored. He's only scored five rushing touchdowns total. from the red five zone. Five rushing touchdowns total. Four were inside the ten over the last two seasons. Oh, okay. And you guys know ten games missed. I I know that they've added. I, I like the Monken hire too. Um, I'm a little nervous about Odell Beckham ever being what he once was. I think we can all agree that that ship has sailed. I'm a little nervous about Rashad Bateman still struggling to come back from his broken foot. I love Zay Flowers, but he's a rookie. How long is it going to take him to get adapted to the offense? I have absolutely nothing bad to say about Mark Andrews. That guy's a stud. Please draft him. But I'm nervous about Lamar Jackson, who's who's. I don't think he's been above 25 fantasy points per game over the balance of a season since 2019, since the MVP year. I'm going to lean toward Fields over Jackson. It's really close, and if you were to tell me, I'll just take whichever quarterback lasts longer in my draft. I get to round four, round five, whichever one's there I'll take. I'm good with that, too. But if I have a preference between the two, it's Fields, and this red zone data kind of helps me with that. So I guess my question would be, you know, do you think that the red zone data is something that's going to stick? Do You, you know, because, or do you think it's just kind of a, every year could be completely different? You know, you're you're obviously factoring it into your analysis, Dave. So you think this actually matters? That he I mean, has it's a been red... two years of this, right? So it's not like we can say one year he's great and then one year he was bad. I, I do you want me to go back into 2020 and then compare how he was before then. I could, but uh, this is I mean, this is what he has done for us lately. I want you to go all the way back to college, Dave. I want you to compare. It to I, I listen, Billy. I got that data. I can look it up. How about this stat for him? Because Jackson is a great rusher. But unlike a guy like Josh Allen or Jalen Hurts, he doesn't run a lot from near the goal line. Uh, he has seven career rushing touchdowns from three yards out or closer. Lamar Jackson, seven career rushing touchdowns. I'm trying to do this on the fly. I think Josh Allen has something like 18. <laughs> One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen. I love 17, hearing you count. Eighteen. So Josh Allen in his career his on that one. has eighteen. <laughs> eight, not wearing socks today is huge. Uh, eighteen Ew. rushing touchdowns from three yards out or closer. Lamar Jackson has seven. He doesn't do that. Uh, like like you, he, he doesn't line up like Jalen Hurts and get pushed into the end zone. He doesn't do that like Josh Allen does. So that's been part of his profile. Actually, it is something to keep in mind. 
Um, I'd say he's more like he's less likely to have a ten rushing touchdown season than the other guys. You know, maybe more like seven. But um, all right, uh, Billy, give me another stat. Uh, another stat we got here is no wide receiver has finished as the back-to-back wide receiver one in total fantasy points since Antonio Brown did it from 2014 through 2017. Hence why I have Jamar Chase ranked ahead of Justin Jefferson for the 2023 season. A few supporting uh, stats here is Chase saw 11.2 targets a game versus Justin Jefferson's 10.8. Chase saw a 33.3 red zone target share versus Jefferson's 27.2%. Chase saw snap share of 93.1% versus Jefferson's 91.5. We're splitting hairs on that one, but we're, we're cherry picking them. Chase route participation was 100% versus Jefferson's 96.7. And Chase's touchdown rate of 9.8% surpassed Jefferson's of 6.8%. I like the offense inside the Bengals. I like Joe Burrow as a quarterback more. I am leaning Chase over Jefferson in 2023. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What are you, Dave? Are you? I, I agree in non-PPR because I think the touchdowns matter. Um, I, I think that Chase will score more touchdowns than Jefferson. And uh, I, I think the yardage, I don't know if the yardage will be super close, but I think the catches are, are still going to favor Justin Jefferson, even with Jordan Addison being there. Um, Addison can just basically take what Adam Thielen left behind. And I think that still leaves a lot there for Jefferson to reel in. Uh, I'm counting on those catches to help Jefferson eke out more PPR points than what Chase will get. All right, Jefferson, as I I said this before, he did lead the NFL in catches in which he was tackled at the one-yard line. He had four of them. Um, And it's amazing for him to have as many targets, as many catches, as many yards as he had last year, and only eight receiving touchdowns. It's kind of crazy. Uh, but, you know, Joe Burrow to Jamar Chase is, is pretty damn reliable. So is that, for Billy, is that across all formats for you, uh, for Chase over Jefferson? Yeah, back to the stat of the uh, targets per game. I mean, it's slightly, you know, it's slightly more, 10.8 versus 11.2. Uh, if we ex- extrapolate that, we could potentially see Jamar Chase as the number one most targeted uh, receiver in in the NFL this year. Yeah, I just like Justin Jefferson. <laughs> he only played half of Week 18, and I wonder if that's if you took out those five targets in one game, if the stat would be even closer. And then for me, you know, Jamar Chase had only a nine-yard a dot. Jefferson was uh, something like ten point two, but Chase in his rookie year was a much more downfield target, right? And then the Bengals' offense really changed last year because teams were taking that away, so a lot of short area stuff. So I do wonder, guys, if they get back to maybe Chase is somewhere in the middle. Because I don't think Jamar Chase should be a nine-yard dot guy, right? He's too talented of a downfield guy. He, To me, he felt more like a Tyreek Hill type of profile than a uh, like, like old Tyreek Hill with the Chiefs. Not as, as many catches, but a ton of yards and touchdowns. And then he totally transformed into a very high target, very high catch guy, but fewer yards per catch, yards per target, those types of things. So I, that's my... I don't want to call it a concern. They're one and two or one, two and three, you know, maybe cup is in there, but I guess it, that'd be a concern for chase is that he gets a higher a dot again, fewer targets and fewer catches. Whereas the yards and the touchdowns won't really be affected necessarily. Maybe the yards go up, but the catches and the targets down, Billy, can you see that scenario? I think it's a, a viable concern. I could see that scenario. And and if you based upon the trend that we have from 2021, 2022, you could assume it could potentially remain that being said i i think that chase is just such a 
tantalizing player. And, and I mean, so is Jefferson. Don't get me wrong. Um, I just like the overall volume of this offense. I like the overall efficiency of this offense. I think we're going to see more shootouts from this team with, with other teams. Uh, it just, breaks down to total total fantasy points for me. We're splitting hairs here at one and two. Uh, I wouldn't argue either way. If someone wants Jefferson over Chase, someone wants Chase over Jefferson. Uh, for me, it's just a slight edge to, to Jamar Chase, and I wouldn't be I wouldn't complain if you had one or the other ranked ahead of the other. And uh, you like Cup third? I do not like Cup third, actually. Uh, Are you on Team Tyreek? I am on Team Tyreek. I have Cup very close behind Tyreek. Uh, but just with the Rams inefficiencies, their offensive line is a concern. Uh, yeah. St- Stafford, you know, got a little banged up last year. What's what's the rest of his supporting cast look like? They're going to be able to double team Cup this year. Uh, Van Jefferson is arguably the number two, or Higby, whoever you want to throw there as the number two option. Uh, it just doesn't look as balanced this year, and I think that Cup could see more double teams. All right, let's take a break here. When we come back, we got one more stat from Dave, one more from Billy. We'll talk about. Uh, <laughs> we'll talk about TJ Hawkinson and then we'll talk about a team stat. Okay. not a fantasy stat, but a very fun stat about two teams. Uh, one of which has certainly had the upper hand. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by progressive insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too, with the name, your price tool from progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, Dave, what do you got on TJ Hawkinson? Do you want to read your title of this stat? Nope, that was for you. Um... (laughs) Hawkinson last year uh, with Minnesota last 10 games, 13 PPR points per game. Fantasy managers see that and they salivate and they go, oh, hell yeah. You know, this guy might be the next Mark Andrews, something to that effect. But if you take out the game against the Giants, according to the math I have here, 10.4 PPR points per game. So very heavily weighted on that monster blow up game against the Giants. And I believe he had another really good game against the Giants in the playoffs. He, he had 8.6 targets per game in the last time with Minnesota, but that number was 7.8 if you take out the Giants game. Um, I, this isn't to say that TJ Hawkinson is not going to be a top five to top three tight end in PPR, but I would not advise reaching for him based on the general stats that he had with Minnesota last year. I also think that once Jordan Addison does get going and starts practicing with the team, I think his explosiveness will give him an edge in target volume. It might be really close between those two, but it wouldn't surprise me if Hawkinson devolved a little bit into six and a half targets per game, four catches per game. Still a bigger role than what he had in Detroit, and certainly somebody who could score seven touchdowns, eight touchdowns over the balance of the season. Still a good fantasy tight end but one that won't be what we saw overall in his time with Minnesota last year. Billy, your thoughts? 
Oh, man. I don't know if I agree with Dave on this one. Uh, First and foremost, I have to say, we can't just take away the Giants game like it didn't exist. Like, it it still existed. And I understand uh, that it was one big blow-up game that may have skewed some of the stats. Nonetheless, it still counts on the records inside the stat book. Uh, And I think that... Losing Adam Thielen, 107 targets, I think it opens up a little bit more for TJ Hawkinson. I, I liked that they added Addison. I think that he's going to you know have a pretty productive rookie season. Nonetheless, he's still a rookie, may have a learning curve. They may lean a little heavier on TJ Hawkinson to start the season, um, at least the first four, five, six weeks, which then you may have another blow-up Giants game in the mix during that time, which could skew the stats again for 2023. Uh, overall, I like the overall volume of the offense as well. Like I said earlier, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase argument, we're splitting hairs. Um, but when we're talking about tight ends, uh, it's a different story because the the distribution of targets to this offense is is pretty clear um, that Hawkinson is going to probably remain a top two or three option inside this passing game. And anytime we have a tight end that has the possibility of being a number two in an offense, we have mm-hmm. to we have to look at them, right? And uh, tight ends to get over 100 right. targets in general are usually pretty fantasy relevant. And I have Hawkinson projected for just under 120 targets, which is 20% of the target share inside of this, this offense. And we have the Vikings projected for you know top eight amount in passing attempts inside the league in 2023. Have to like the volume for TJ Hawkinson. I think that he has another blow-up game or even two this season. We saw four games above double-digit targets last year. We saw several at nine as well. Uh, it's, hard, it's hard for me to pass on TJ Hawkinson at cost. Uh, and I think that he has an opportunity to potentially outscore Mark Andrews in 2023. Sounds like you have him at third. I do have him at three. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> I get we, it. we last week, last Friday, we we debated the top five tight ends was me, Chris, and Dan. And basically, what we thought was between Hawkinson, in any order, Hawkinson, Pitts, Goddard, Waller, Kittle. You could. There's an odd man out there. Who? Pitts. Okay, okay. Well, for, for those five tight ends, we felt for Hawkinson, Pitts, Waller, Kittle, Goddard, we felt you, any th- any of those five could conceivably be ranked tight end three. You know, three through seven, three, four, five, six, seven was more or less interchangeable. And we felt there was no reason to take TJ Hawkinson. He's going like early in the fourth round, I think, because you should just wait a few more rounds and get anyone of else in that group. Um, that's kind of how we felt. Do you feel that way? I, that's that's viable as well. I, I think, honestly, if you don't take Kelsey, you might as well just wait on tight end all the way down just because like, people will debate about where there's a dead zone for tight end. And you could argue it starts at number two. You could argue it starts at three. You could argue it starts at four. Either way, I think that you always have a tight end outside of the top 12 who finishes as a tight end one on every season. And so I would much rather wait at tight end if I don't get Kelsey and and just analyze the talent on a weekly basis, the target share, the snap share, the routes run, and take advantage of someone who's going to finish inside the top 12 who I drafted outside the top 12 or even picked up on waivers. Like Waller that year was going undrafted in a lot of leagues that he broke out. Not all of them, Billy. Oh, Not all of them. Not all of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Round 20 in a lot. Around 19 and some, no, but a little earlier than that. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a great call. Uh that that year for Waller. All right. So anyway, uh, let's get our last stat here, and it's going to be on the New York Jets. What a fun stat we got, Billy, for us here. Yeah, so the New York Jets have never beaten the Philadelphia Eagles since 1973, or I should say when they actually 
This this was started being tracked in 1973. They've met a total of 12 times, most recently in 2019 and 2021. The Eagles have won all 12 of them. They play this season, week six at New York. Is this the year that it happens? Nope. <laughs> nope. Probably not, but I'm very high on the Jets, actually. I don't know how you guys feel. Yeah. I'm very high on the Jets. I think that they brought Rodgers in just for this stat. They wanted to beat the Eagles. <laughs> right. It's a lost season if they don't win that game. If you think they want to beat the Eagles, like you don't know what the Giants fans are feeling like, okay? Like, the Giants want to beat the Eagles. It's been seems like a long time since they've beaten the Eagles in any meaningful game. Um, all right, so let's see if the Jets can do it this year. We got some bonus stats for you. Uh, those were our eight crazy stats. We got, oh, I've never seen that movie. Dave, you ever see that sequel, Eight Crazy Stats? No, never. Okay, me either. Uh, <laughs> you had one on, it's an Eight Crazy Nights joke. I don't know if anybody right. was getting it. Uh, Michael Pittman. Michael Pittman. You, you're, okay, obviously, Dave, you like red zone stats. Because you brought it up. Well, well, I mean, what happens in the red zone, Adam? I just don't Good know. Things. I just don't know. Numbers. If it, I don't know if it translates year after year. I mean, I've seen guys um, that it, like who, like Julio Jones. We always just talk about him not scoring touchdowns. If you look at Julio Jones's red zone targets year after year, they are a roller coaster. They're up and down and up. There's no consistency there. So mm-hmm. I, I just don't know if they will translate. Like, I, I don't believe that a guy can't be good in the red zone. Put it that way. Of course, everybody can be good in the red zone, but when they're not good in the red zone, that's a, that's a red flag to me, especially when it's been that way over their first three NFL seasons, which okay. is the case for Michael Pittman. So what do you got on Pittman? 38 targets in the red zone, 22 catches, eight touchdowns. The eight touchdowns ranks 34th among wide receivers for each of the past two seasons. And so I dug a little bit deeper because I figure, especially when the Colts get inside the 10, inside the five, do you, do you think it's going to enter... Shane Steichen's mind, okay, we got to throw it to Michael Pittman. Like for every one time that that might happen, there might be seven times that he says, let's run it with blank, Taylor, Richardson, uh, or Richardson and Taylor. They've got two guys that are capable of dominating inside the five with the ball tucked into their elbow, inside of their elbow, whatever that. What's this part of the body called, Billy? This part, like the this part. This part. Yeah, the top. Your elbow? elbow? Yeah, that's like the other side of the elbow. It's the line. It's the inner elbow. Gorilla Monsoon never taught me what this part of the body (laughs) was on primetime wrestling, so I just don't know. Bottom line is this. If Pittman wasn't a great red zone threat before Anthony Richardson came to Indianapolis, how can I expect him to be one now? I I, I keep getting colder and colder on Michael Pittman. All right, I'm going to give you four names. I want you to rank them. One of them has been a very consistent red zone guy. Uh, the other three we've talked about on today's show, Michael Pittman, DJ Moore, Brandon Ayuk, and Mike Evans. Uh, how would you rank Pittman, DJ Moore, Ayuk, and Evans? Uh, let me In the red zone? It. No, no. No, just overall fantasy. for fantasy. How I have it ranked now might not be how I have it ranked two weeks from now. It's more first. Evans and Pittman are back-to-back, and I don't really love them. And Ayuk I haven't really adjusted yet, but he's behind them all so far. And I have Evans, Pittman, DJ Moore than Ayuk. Oh wow! So you're you're pretty low on DJ Moore, uh, as you were saying. Yeah, the only consensus we have really is Evans over Pittman, mm-hmm. and then Ayuk last. Okay, uh, I got a couple of stats. Jalen Hurts has scored ten and thirteen rushing touchdowns in his last two seasons. Since two thousand one, there have been seven quarterbacks. Not necessarily seven different quarterbacks, but seven quarterback seasons where the quarterback has scored double-digit rushing touchdowns. 
So Jalen Hurts twice, Cam Newton three times, Dante Culpepper, and Kyler Murray. So <laughs> far, Hurts is the only one to repeat with a double-digit rushing touchdown season. He's the only one to score more than eight the next season. The other quarterback scored four, eight, five, five, and five rushing touchdowns the following season. One of those five rushing touchdown years uh, uh, seasons was in seven games. But usually you see a pretty big drop when a guy scores double-digit rushing touchdowns at quarterback. It, it's not easy to do it the following year. Hertz has done it. Now what can he do in the third season coming off of 13 rushing touchdowns in 15 games? I don't know. Is that uh, Billy, does that stat mean anything to you? It's a good stat, but I think they're signaling they want him to run less as well. I think that him getting hurt last year probably ruined their chances of a Super Bowl. I don't. I think if he were to remain healthy down the stretch, it uh, changes the landscape a little bit, and they may win a Super Bowl. And so they bring in Swift, they bring in Rashad Penny, although the two combined may only play 13 games, we'll find out. But nonetheless, they may want him to run less to stay healthy. Strength of schedule this year also is not as as easy as it was last year. So we may see a change of game script, a little bit more pass attempts, maybe a little bit less rushing volume to kill the clock from Hertz. Uh, I know a lot of these are scrambles as well. So um, I think it's still within the realm of possibilities of a double-digit touchdown season on the ground. Um, I would say three in a row might be a little difficult to achieve, but um, I'm probably a bet against it in 2023. All right, my last one here. This is sort of a landscape uh, stat. In six-point-per-passing touchdown leagues, Geno Smith was QB8 per game. He averaged 21.4 fantasy points per game. So he was QB8. Here's how he would have ranked among quarterbacks at 21.4 points per game in the previous eight seasons. Ninth, uh, 15th, 8th, 7th. So from that group of four years, he, you know, Pretty top good. 10, three or four years. Yeah, top yeah, top nine. Then the four years before 2022, 21.4 points per game would have been 13th, 10th, 15th, and 13th per game. So when I look at Geno Smith, that's why I asked when we were talking about him earlier this week, can he be better than he was? Because to me, I see top eight upside, like eighth, which is what he was last year. And in a, if if we get back to having a better year at quarterback, maybe not even top 12 per game. Um, so I think when you evaluate Geno Smith, you really have to evaluate how you feel about the quarterback position. Are we going to have a bounce back, or did we just have a kind of a four-year stretch of this, of like a mini golden era of quarterback play, and now we're going to be back to just good, not incredible quarterback play? Uh, it's a question you have to ask yourself, Dave. Oh, I think we're we're getting golden quarterback play. Uh, there's yeah. just there's so much great talent across the league um, that I, I have a hard time believing that it's going to slouch. Well, how like, do you replace Brady, Rodgers, Wilson? Well, we did last year. No, we didn't last year. They all stunk, and that's why we had a terrible year for quarterbacks compared to the four ah, years before that. Now, I said Brady, Rodgers, Wilson. Maybe Rodgers and Wilson bounce back. But do you I see think they do. Kyler's not going to be the top five-ish guy that he always has been? Maybe Watson comes back. Maybe maybe no, uh, Justin Herbert's got to bounce back. Yeah. yeah, Billy's counting on that for one for sure. Trevor yeah. Lawrence, maybe he becomes Trevor a Lawrence takes a like step. That. Yep, I don't know. I mean, we are seeing with Brady retiring, with Rodgers in his you know in his twilight years, with Wilson maybe over the hill. I, I mean, I like Wilson as a bounce back, but that's like a dart throw. Um, yep. we might be seeing an era where Geno Smith is still a top eight quarterback, but if it goes back to the way things were. I, I don't think that Gino's really going to pay off unless he has a much better year. 
Yeah, Gino was sneaky good last year, like like really sneaky. And and the only thing that I, I would have to say I caution against with Gino is he was very lucky in the interceptable passes category. Yeah. He actually threw the most intercept potentially interceptable passes in the league with 41. If we see even 10% of those break the other way, he's probably outside of the top 10 at the position. So that being said, I think he has the weapons. He was very accurate in other categories. I mean, he was the most accurate quarterback in the league last year. And so I think that um, there's a lot to like about Gino, but there is still some caution with him as well. Yeah, and he threw 11 interceptions last year, and nine of them, no, seven of them came in the last seven games of the season. So that that rate really picked up. All right, Billy, thank you so much for for coming on our show and delivering some awesome statistics. We appreciate it, man. Yeah, I appreciate the invite, guys. Always like talking some football. I always say iron sharpens iron, and it's it's great to 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 get different insights and takes on different players. I have no idea what what element I am. I'm definitely not iron, but something. Thank you, Dave is definitely the iron man here. Uh, that is Billy Musio. Follow him at ff Musio M U Z I O and on playerprofiler.com. And we'll talk to you tomorrow with a mailbag here. Fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. We'll talk to you tomorrow with that mailbag on Fantasy Football Today. It only takes two minutes of sheer horror. A new Paramount Plus original docuseries. We were dealing with a serial killer preying on elderly women. A cold-blooded killer hidden in plain sight. He's suffocating people with pillows. Leaving corpses all over Texas. How did it happen? I was responsible for her. The guilt is immeasurable. They covered it up. Pillowcase Murders, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus.